0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's your True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst, Charlotte Robson, Norman Riley, Chris Shipman on the line with me to talk about Newcastle United's insipid 1-0 defeat at Burnley in Lancashire yesterday. We're going to get straight into it, Charlotte. Have your eyes stopped bleeding yet?
2: No, unfortunately not. Um, 20 hours after I left you in Burnley and I've just arrived home, um, this wasn't the plan. But um, unfortunately, being blinded by that performance made getting home very difficult.
1: If it was up to me, I would have travelled by transport. I wouldn't have walked, but fair play to you. (laughs) It's 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 a good distance.
2: I felt like punishing myself for putting myself through it.
1: Why don't you tell us about your day at Burnley?
2: About well, my day. Okay. Well, my day started well. I went for a run, and then you and I drove over to Burnley from Newcastle because I was up and in good spirits. Drove through Yorkshire Dale, very beautiful. And then we got to Burnley, and it immediately started hailing, which didn't feel like a good sign. <laughs> um, Team sheet came out. Um, Carol, a skipper, obviously interested by that, didn't know what to expect. And then, yeah, I, I suppose the first 10 minutes weren't, weren't terrible, but it was probably one of the worst performances of the Well, maybe the worst performance I've seen this season. And the day steadily got worse.
1: <laughs> and there was, uh, I mean, there's some stuff flying around on social media, so, so we may as well go into it a little bit. Your your train... What got cancelled? Yeah, got so
2: no. Weeks. So I I was booked to go from Burnley Manchester Road to Leeds for well, your train enthusiasts, then on the 17, 1945 to London. Um, but it was running late, and then a man on the train, um a Newcastle fan, I think, um, it transpired. Well, I saw a fight sort of starting, and it transpired that he had. Um, made a user a, a racist slur against an Asian man, and uh, understandably upset the Asian man. Um, and so, um, a lot a lot of people. So credit to all of the people who did this. Were like, you, you absolutely can't. You've really upset that person. You can't say things like that. It's disgusting, etc. But instead of being like, you're right, I shouldn't have. He got angry, which you know you probably could have predicted, so the police had to come on the train, and I think they took him away. he wasn't on the train after the following stop anyway and um and I missed my connection it's, it's the you know, you know better that than a, a signal failure better better some um some people stood up to erase this, but it was um a bit of a nightmare, so I had to go back from Leeds to Newcastle, and then try again this morning.
1: Horrific stuff, and I don't know how much power the the club would have, but it would be good if the police could work with the club to ban that individual from any future games. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. So that shit and a a terrible end for you and the other people on that train, particularly the the victim, to a pretty bad day, and that's what we're going to get into (laughs) in this podcast, the bad day. I mean, the the best part of yesterday for me was the drive there and the drive back. <laughs> that was literally it mm-hmm. and although you say that the hail um signaled a pretty bad day I th- you know something as as natural and beautiful and powerful like weather was far more entertaining to me than the absolute horror show the man made horror show that was <laughs> served up on that football sides like i'm absolutely disgusted by what i saw and i'm going to try and scale back a little bit because i was fairly hyperbolic last night it was one of the worst i think it's the worst game of football i've ever been to, and like you guys on the line with me, and like all of you listen, we've all been to some bad ones, we've all been to some bad games following this football club, particularly in the last 10 years, and and this is very close to the top for me. So we may as well get into it. Chris, I'll come to you, mate. Um, the context of this, and you and Norman, I think, talked to this a little bit on your, your patron preview, um, well, still this week now, but what Wednesday or Thursday when you did it, about about the context of this game and how we had been picking up some very good results and there were definitely some positives from those performances, but, but we, you could argue in all three of those games last week we're, we could have been on the wrong side of a result. Fantastic that we weren't. Um, does this game redress it a little bit? Do you think that we are
3: still a bit shit, but we've been lucky? Um, I don't think we're shit, necessarily, but I do think that talk of any kind of assault on the top eight, uh, even in jest, has, has been happening over the last few days on social media. Uh, is a little bit far-fetched. I think reality of the situation is it probably a lower mid-table side with a lower mid-table, to be kind, uh, manager. Um, and I guess if you just look at yesterday's playing squad, so the only players that you'd probably say are seasoned Premier League players who who are good enough to be candidates to start in a kind of upper mid-table, around eighth position Premier League side, probably got De Bradka, Cher, and Carroll, if he's fit. Uh, obviously, there's huge questions about that. Um it's okay, but I think a few in the top ten touch him with a bar from Fernandez, as much as we saw with Diame a couple of years ago, um, playing out this skin at the top end of his ability, but he isn't quite at that level. And then you just had this kind of girth of players who, first of all, lack experience. So, Joe Linton, Sean Longstaff, Atsu, maybe, uh, Williams, Mankio, uh, and then Gale, Muto, Kraft. You know, there's questions about them and their lack of quality for this level. Um, I won't judge Matty Longstaff, um, because I guess we haven't really seen enough of him. Um, great debut aside, um, hasn't really been around for too long. And there's probably, you'd have to say the jury's out on and Hayden, who are great in some games and less so in others. Uh, and I know on our WhatsApp group yesterday, Alex, you, you picked out Hayden for particular criticism at one point. Um, and I guess the question is really whether we have meaningful strength in depth outside of those central defences. Um, and then I just get to address your question about being lucky. We're definitely lucky. We've definitely ridden our luck this season so far. So if you cast your mind back a few weeks to the Philampton game and and the Bournemouth game, late misses for them, which on another day, those kind of fine margins would would probably have resulted in us not picking up the three points. Um, I guess there is the adage that luck evens itself out over the course of the season. Um, And yeah, maybe yesterday was, was luck evening itself out
1: Norman, I, I know that you're you're keen to get into this one. So Chris referenced there you know, a number of players who we could talk about at this level whether they're they're good enough or not. Um obviously I think I've I've counted eight players who you would have no issue starting in, in the first team yesterday who who weren't available. Um and I mean Lee Charney's talk this week, I think it was Radio Newcastle he went on, um, about how much strength and depth that we've got and how that's been borne out you know, would you agree with them then? And do you, th- do you think that would do have the strength and depth to cope with so many injuries? Or was yesterday proof that that's just not true?
4: I think it's how you perceive what strength and depth means. So, Lee you may think of have strength and depth because he may think that we can afford to lose a few first-choice players, bring in um, the other players in the squad and still avoid relegation. Um, I know that, obviously. I, you know, I, I don't know what, Lee Charnley or Mike Ashley or whoever have in mind when the the thing of Newcastle United in the Premier League, but I'm assuming that obviously, you know, survival um, is the the key and we've probably got the players in the squad to survive, even if we do get a few injuries. Um, And by survive, I mean kind of skin of your teeth. Um, When I think of strength and depth, what I like to think of is, is leg for leg. So yesterday, obviously... You know, we lose three of our most important players. Um, Shelby and Maximan, certainly this season. I mean, Shelby, obviously, you know, he's, he's growth going record. The season's absolutely phenomenal for I midfield, mean, he's, and he's a very talented player. we you know, he's really coming to be done this season. He's responding to, to the armband, he's getting all the platitudes, and rightly so. Um, he drops out with injury. Maximan, who is a phenomenal player, um, we know that, and he gives the like, side so, so much as, a, as an outfall, as somebody who can cause havoc and the yeah, opposition's defence, and just his movement and his pace. And, and Ami for all of the criticisms leveled at him about the fact that he hasn't scored and he's only had one assist so far, he's still an incredibly important player because of his movement, because of the way that he started to link up with, um, with uh, Maximan, and because of his pace. And especially, you know, every time we break forward, to have Maximan and Ami Ron run that year it is going to be nerve wracking for the opposition and it's going to pressurise him into mistakes. And we, we didn't have that yesterday. So so strength in depth. when you've got, you know, um, Christian Atsu coming in for. Um, Max Man, you've got Joe Linton coming back on the run um, would Asu and Joe Linton um, you know playing a full season get us enough results to keep us in the top flight, given that 122 points now probably um, you know we'll probably get the 18 points that, that we need to be safe but if we actually wanted to maintain any kind of challenge for the top 10 we need players coming in to replace the, the those players like Max and Man who are who are equally or almost as good and unfortunately the gap between Christian Axel, let's see, who I love for his endeavour, I love him a York, as a new castle he's been fantastic, you know. But in terms of the gap between let's see him and Maximan ability, it's a huge gap. The the gap between Joe Linton and Now on completely different players. it's a, it's another huge gap. So that's the problem. You know, strength and depth in terms of numbers and players who were okay, but if there was big, big gaps between the good players and the not the good players are, that are concerning for me. And I think we saw that yesterday because, you know, let's let's look at it down to the most brutal fact. Burnley, that is the first time that has stopped their opponents registering a shot on target in 207 Premier League games. But our entire history in the Premier League, that's the first time that the opposition hasn't had a shot on target against them. So that kind of tells me, in terms of strength of death, exactly where we're at.
1: Yeah, I'd totally disagree with anything you've said there. The One slight positivity come from yesterday, if you can even call that. I think the whole social media debate of should we give. Miguel Almirón arrest has has now been blown out of the water, <laughs> because the yeah. the alternative, as much as Almirón has struggled to perform in front of goal this season, the alternatives aren't great at the minute. Um, and you're right about that that huge gap. And I th- I think, and I get your thoughts on this, uh, guys. Is I thought I thought the manager let himself down a bit yesterday tactically. Um, you know, Burnley was actually the birth of the Rafa five three two last season. I mean, I'd, we'd played it previously under. Rafa before them, but always against the likes of Man City and Chelsea. And we went and he played Yedlin and Ritchie, both unavailable to the managers yesterday, really, really high up the pitch um, as wing-backs. And that meant Longstaff, uh, well, it was last year, it was Kean D'Arma, who had a fantastic game and ran the show. But Longstaff and Hayden in that kind of formation under Rafa were far more defensively minded. And the full-backs played a far more attacking role with the front three. You also have the likes of Florian Lejeune playing, um, which is massive. Uh, where we didn't yesterday and as a result I was bitterly disappointed by the performance of our midfield too in fact so much so in fact I'd say that Burnley were, were, t- were j- nearly just as bad as us but ultimately they did actually have one or two shots on goal where we didn't and you're not going to win many games of football if you don't have any shots on goal um, certainly mm-hmm. certainly in the for the vast majority of the game before Dwight Gale's big miss at the end but I think yesterday, I think Cork and Westwood and Hendrick a little bit and McNeil were, were were far more influential in that game and on the ball. And, I mean, some of the things they tried and some of the passes were shocking, but at least they tried. And, and I feel like Hayden and Longstaff yesterday really let were down. And it wasn't in terms of effort and it wasn't in terms of putting their foot in where it hurt or doing their best. But there was a real lack of urgency on the ball and there was a real failure to grab the game by the scruff of the net make no mistake that game was there to be to be won you could tell at the start of the game the Burnley crowd were quiet they were nervous the Burnley players were nervous three defeats in a row 11 goals conceded and what concerns me is where is the manager setting us up to take that game by the scruff of the neck and think you know what get into these they're shitting themselves quiet nervous the players no confidence in And instead, we just seem to play into Burnley's hands. We played long balls up now, Andy Carroll from the back, which Carroll had a real off day yesterday. Nothing worked from where it. Clearly did it. Sheffield United and did when he came on and effectively won with the game without scoring against Southampton. And, you know, I would have been sitting in my midfield too there. We we need you to get up in support of the front players, but we need you to carry the ball. We need you to play forward passes. We need you to unlock the Burnley defence, which is very rigid. And instead, particularly Isaac Hayden, whenever he got the ball, pass the ball back, give it to a centre-back, give it to a centre-back. Like, no, you're one of our two midfielders here. We need you to create something. And it's not just Isaac Hayden's fault, I'll long stuff. No one had a good game yesterday. I thought Mankio was okay actually, but apart from that, no one had a good game. But uh, you know, I just feel if you're going to play midfield in the Premier League, and it's great when it when it looks good and it goes well, and you can get your tackles in, and you play against Man City at home, and you, you're a crucial defensive barrier, and it's great when you can pop the ball off to John Joe, who again has his flaws, but like you correctly say, Norman has has been in inspired form recently. I just felt it was very it was very easy for Burnley yesterday, too easy for them almost. We played everything in front of them. We didn't really try to get behind them. And we didn't try to do things. It was it was a bit of a weak performance, and it was a bit of a. It's, it's easy to say in hindsight, but it was a, a bit of a performance that looked like safety and safe. You know, when we got the tenth and the pardue and then sold combined to sack the rest of the season off. That's what it felt like a little bit. It's way too early to say that'll happen, but it felt like a team who thought maybe job done. We'll just go out there. We'll play for a nil nil and see what happens and that's disappointing because there was two and a half thousand Newcastle fans there Me mean Charlotte were there lots of people watching around the world and following it and I don't know it just you can never really accuse this team of not showing any effort because they do and they do try but there was there was too little going on upstairs you know for example Paul Dummett's playing ahead of Florian Lejeune at the minute in that left centre back slot and Florian Lejeune's been out for a long time and Paul Dummett been doing fine. you know. He hasn't been doing anything to suggest that he should be dropped particularly. I would always play your best team. But there was times yesterday where Burnley, very, very clearly, whenever Shara Fernandes had the ball near the halfway line, they would press them. And they would leave Paul Dunn unmarked, so the ball would be recycled. Even if we were near the edge of the Burnley penalty area, on the rare occasion we were, the ball would be recycled back to Hayden. And yes, there was probably very little movement going on ahead of him. or very few options. But he would go back to Shara Fernandez, who would go back to Paul Dummett, who would go back to the keeper. And then Burnley have got what they want, a long ball to contest. And that happened probably eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 times yesterday. It was frustrating watching from the stands. Like, where is the leadership? Some would say, lads, they, they they want you to do this. They want you to go to Paul Dummett because he's going to go backwards. So he's going to kick the ball out of play because he's so bad on the ball. It's not his game. Good defender, bad ball playing centre-back. That's not his game. And, you know, that's the frustrating thing for me is... When when the likes of Shelby plays or Matt Ritchie or, um, you know, ASM or Almiron, there's always something that can possibly, you know, scare the opposition or, or you know you never know what might happen next or a misplaced pass or some space yesterday was demoralising because just, you, I mean, from about half-time Charlotte, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, you just kind of knew we weren't going to score, you knew we weren't going to score because we weren't good enough to score, we weren't good enough to create a chance really and for a team that spent what we've spent this summer, albeit with injuries, and for a team that's won, well, keep saying one, three in the box, one, two, and drawn one, and you know, since that uh, Man United game, the form I think the, I think we said last week in the podcast only Leicester and Liverpool before yesterday picked up more points. It just seemed to be very, very flat, very mundane, and and very uninspiring. What, what did you make of it, Charlotte, as the game was progressing?
2: Yeah, I completely agree. It became really scrappy and really. Like you said, there's not much going on upstairs. There, there just wasn't much. There didn't feel like there was enough communication. Um, it, your point about well, leadership is a good one. I didn't see much of that. I've watched the highlights, and you can see Dubravka sort of putting more into it than than Carol in terms of like look at what's going on. Um, but yeah, I do It was really uninspiring. They play such. They only play such like. T- so tightly onto all the players are just tumbling over each other. I know the pitch was very slippy yesterday because it had been such a horrible day. But it was just such a messy, horrible game. I don't think that Burnley deserved to win necessarily because, like, to be clear, they weren't very good either. But it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel like we were going to get any like a point at at absolute best. But once they scored, it was just like I don't think we're coming back from this at all.
1: Yeah, it was a blow, Chris. Just back on the injuries for a minute. Do you? I think some fans would probably think, you know what? Any team in the Premier League is going to suffer with eight eight first team players out. Should should, should me and Charlotte there be be cutting the manager a bit of slack considering the extent of those injuries problems?
3: Um, I think injuries are a major factor, but they're not the only factor. Um, you know, Bruce and the late um, substitutions that you made. Uh, and just general lack of leadership were an issue. But yeah, I think injury is a, a major and as Norman Reference, losing you know, three of our most creative players, two of whom are in very good form, ASM and Shelby, and then Elmiron, who even in the squad, on any day, causes defensive uh, problems. You know, that, that's going to impact any side and we're not in that kind of top four, five bracket where we have that number of creative players to compensate for that. Um, I think the other two players that, uh, are injured and, and were a big miss, not because technically they're the best, but because of leadership and in that kind of situation where you need the whole squad to be galvanized to uh, grab the game by the scruff of the neck. They were really missed. So LaSalle, um, you know, we discussed on the preview, Norman made a very good point that he would think great up against Wood, but as well as being able to deal with his um, power, um, just kind of just amping the side up a bit. And then Richie, you know, almost a forgotten man, uh, at this point, because he's been been out for so long, um, yeah, he, he would have been great—not from a technical standpoint, but just to kind of g people up. Um, yeah, so missing them is a kind of huge uh, issue. And then, I, I guess, other alternates that you'd usually kind of bring in uh, to compensate for players that are um, out of form or not playing so well are like either injured themselves. Um, you know, Kieran Clarke now uh, key, uh, although he seemingly has been forgotten by Steve Bruce, or, or the rusty and out of form and Sean Longstar and Gail, you know, are, are definitely kind of two of those. Um, so yeah, I think it is an issue and worryingly for me it's the return to where we were a few years ago pre-Rafa um, where there were a lot of injuries and something was happening um, there that, that caused that. We seem to have progressed to that. It's something that I know that Rafa paid particular attention to and I don't want this to be a podcast where we hark back to some kind of glory days of Rafa, but he, he did resolve that and something is not quite right um, maybe Steve Bruce might be learning the lesson he did kind of seemingly kind of kick himself about the, the ASM layoff in the 96 minute or whatever it was the other day and talk this week of not rushing back Shelby um, and Almiron but he would really hope that a manager of his experience should actually already know that You know, um, so yeah not the only factor but a big factor
2: It also highlights doesn't it that, that you know when we've got We've had this sort of run of form, and and it's been nice. Um, when we have like a couple of injuries, we we just don't have any options really that are that are viable.
0: Mm-hmm. And against
2: a team like Burnley, like that, it kind of shows. I know everybody already knows this, but it, that we're kind of papering over cracks that the squad really needs a lot more, um, a lot more <laughs> players and investment. I don't know. Everybody knows this.
3: There, there was that story uh, a couple of decades ago when uh, Man United played uh, Tottenham, of uh, Alex Ferguson coming into the dressing room and saying, "Lads, it's Spurs," and that just being enough. I think in 2019, Burnley are one of those sides where it would, it should just be, "Lads, it's Burnley," Um yeah. everyone should be good enough to deal with that. Yeah,
1: and uh, I get it, and I understand, and you're sympathetic about injuries, and particularly since a lot of those injuries, you know, the likes of, um, you know, uh, Richie, like you say. Lascelles, that's that's nothing to do with the club. That's two really poor challenges from opposition players, which went unpunished, and that's just bad luck. Whether whoever the manager is, you're going to get them. But like you correctly say, it seems like you know Almeron. We saw a lot of other Premier League clubs rotate between those fixtures last week, um, and we didn't. And I understand why we didn't, but then three three of the, the three best players really in the team from an attacking point of view. Uh, weren't fit and weren't available and we've, we've paid the price the caveat to that is even when we seem to have had everyone fit we're still ain't been great so it's not like under pardew i think it was a little bit like well one like remy's back we'll be fine or when this player's back we'll be fine Really turned out that way but that was always the the preconception because we we'll had so many out. i mean i may as well run through them now it's it's clark the matt richie yeah so so hold back four um missing then shelby key Uh, makes it six, and then who is was Almiron, ASM. Yeah, that completes the eight. Norman, uh, once again, criticisms of Steve Bruce's subs yesterday. We saw Muto for the first time in a long time, and it it, it did feel a little bit like, right, just get all the forwards on, chasing a goal. He also took off Willems and Atsu in that pursuit, two players who you'd think would be capable of providing some service to the strikers. Your thoughts on, on... on, on this kind of tactical debate about him we have praised him in recent weeks for some slight tactical tweaks that have worked uh, Also, also keeping get your thoughts on Joe Linton on the left as well yesterday so so what kind of game did see Bruce have for you
4: the substitutions were um were poor there's no two ways about it and um, you mentioned Williams also going off because of they you know the two players could potentially player, create something for for pretty much a direct forward um thus, having quite a lot of boards on the pitch, but literally nobody to provide any kind of bullets for them. Um, personally, what I, would, what I would have liked to have seen was the moment the moment that Wood scored that goal, I would have liked to have seen dumbest Hook in Lejeune put on because, obviously, at that point, we're one nil down, we need to create something going forward. And without Shelby on the side, we've got nobody who can do any kind of probing from, from deep on the pitch. Sorry, Legion would have done that. And also, it would have given him half an hour on the pitch. Um that that was my first kind of thought. Um, and you know, bringing on for ten minutes, like what, well, literally, what's the point? This is a player right who really well. plays
1: on the right. Yeah, on
4: the right. I mean, yeah, he's barely plays. In fact, if you you know, if you're going to bring on a centre forward who really plays for ten minutes, then bring them on as a centre forward for that ten minutes. Um, because you know there might be a bobble in the box. The, the, the rule is just to try and get on the end of something if something transpires, and um, but actually get that player who's really rusty who is a centre forward. To try and create things from the right, I, I can't see the logic in it. Um, you know, the only, I suppose the only logic I can't see is is pace. Muto has a lot of pace, um, but then again, so does Christiano, and and Christiano is a you know he's a kind of he really is an out out winger to a to a certain extent I would say. So I am um, massively disappointed, and I think um, you know, as I say, uh, you could even argue, despite the fact that Manquillo I thought was probably one of the better performers, as you say sort of 25 minutes to go it may, may well have been worth bringing Yedwin on as well so I think I would have liked to see him probably you know just, just for his, his pace and getting him behind their fullbacks because you know you look at their fullbacks um, Boggs and Peters there was zero pace there and without Maximan and, and Armiron that's you know th- that's what we needed we needed pace on the pitch and Yedwin I think may have offered that was sort of 25 minutes to go um, whereas Mutua yes he's got pace but he's a centre forward not a winger um, so I get disappointed with that um, and I don't know, mate, as fast as this might sound, even if you're going to leave Dumbled on the pitch, I think that I think it might be an argument for actually putting Lejeune on, um, taking off Hayden who was on an absolute nightmare and shifting Shane with defensive midfield position. No, I know i have seen Shea play a defensive midfield before uh, I think it was against Forrest last season and he was awful. But that was early on in kind Kenny of Newcastle career. And I think given how utterly lack and lacking creativity we were yesterday, you know, it was it was it was something worth risking. Like just bring on Lejeune, possibly push you up in the middle and, you know, um, bring on Yedin, but that didn't happen. And we made substitutions were made, and they literally made absolutely zero difference. Um, in fact, if anything, Burnley found it a lot easier to, to cope with after that, I think.
1: Yeah, Charlotte, when we were at the game, it was a boisterous away end at the start. It was really kind of positive. People, you know, it's the last away game before Christmas. People had had mm-hmm. lots, to, lots to drink. Um, <laughs> I think there's a real... Chance missed there for the manager. And I'm sure, you know, he he's as angry as we are about all of this. Had a bit of a go at the ref after the game, which I thought was a bit unnecessary. Don't get me wrong, the ref was absolutely shocking, but he was terrible for, for both teams, in my opinion. Um you know, at the start of the game when he walked across the pitch, he got a really good ovation for the first time. This season. In, he did a little wave. In, but instead of like a big wave, he did the kind of wave that you would give <laughs> to a car when you're crossing the road and the car stopped to let you pass <laughs> and you stick your hand out. It was like, all right, cheers, lads. Excuse <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, do you like, where where do you think we are, Charlotte? Do you think that, do you think it's going to be a season like this? We've talked about it before on this podcast. Is it going to be, we'll win some weeks and we we'll won't play great and then we'll play really badly and lose and we're just going to have to get used to it? Or do you think that there's a, there's a progression there when we get all the the real lads back, um, and and improve. Like how, how did yesterday influence your thinking on how the season's going to go?
2: Um, I'm going to try and not be super negative. That's my goal now, um, but I did sort of feel like it. It's part of the course. We do well. We do terribly. We do well for a bit. We do terribly. We do okay. Then we do really badly. And I guess in terms of the season as a whole and yesterday's performance and results I think I think that that it. Um, I think oh God, I'm trying to be positive. We'll be. I think we'll be okay. I know a lot of people still think uh, and that we will be. You know, above or in that. Relegation zone for the rest of the season. I think we'll be okay, but um, it just highlighted how much we need those key players. John Joe Shelby on his coat or on his on his previous current form. I guess that's the right way to say it. Um, ASM Armouron, Um I'd like to say if we could look at it, look at January transfer, but I know that that's sort of the pipe dream that that we could only improve on, on sort of their performances and bring in somebody to support that. But um, oh, it's really hard because I want to be really positive. But yesterday was so bad <laughs> that, I, that, I, that I can't be. Um, I think I think our season's just going to be like this. I think it's going to be a couple of okay or good games and then a really dire performance because that's where well, well, we were at Christmas and that's how it's been. I don't think it's going to change.
1: Chris, Chris, do you think that it's still all about just staying up? We've got a seven-point cushion to the relegation zone at the minute. Great to see Aston Villa down there. Um, Southampton <laughs> as well. Good result for Norwich yesterday. But uh, do, do you still think that whatever happens this season, we can talk about context and top tens, and you mentioned you know, assaults on the top eight earlier has been a bit far-fetched. Do you think that whatever happens this year, it's still fundamentally about staying up, or do you think that's... We we as the fan base should expect more from this this squad and this
3: manager. I mean, I think we should be expecting more from not just the manager, not just the players, but the club. Um, I don't think it should all be about staying up. I know in the summer that, that was the uh, you know the focus drastically shifted towards that position, understandably uh, given the absolute nightmare of a summer that we had. But staying up should ever only be the first staging post on uh, on a more progressive. Um, we've got the league um, I, I don't see any reason why we can't get between kind of 9th and 12th 13th that, you know, that should be possible we have good players the investment over the summer some of it placed well some of it maybe not so at this point but a lot of money was spent um, and yeah I, I don't think it's too much to ask that we we hope and want more than just you know just squeaking through and, and being in the league for next year I totally
1: agree with that. I think that's if you're going to spend the kind of money we spent in the summer, which was, which is good, and we should be spending more of that money this January, uh, particularly I think there was money left over, plus there's a lovely old 30 million quid from a certain Spanish forward, who, by the way, we missed massively yesterday because we, it was pretty clear that we just had no one to... You know, I was talking about the midfield earlier. Perez was basically that link uh, last season between Hayden and Longstaff particularly, and then uh, Rondon and um we on when we were at our best but Norman I think I'm going to leave the last word uh, to you on this one uh, last <laughs> yesterday's game at about half time I realized the game it reminded me most of was probably the game in the same stadium against the same opponent two years ago in the Rafa when we lost 1-0 as well to a I think to a set piece goal but certainly to a cross um, we'll play Palace next week mate um, which again in terms of fixtures since we've gained promotion again the Premier League have been dire, we'll then have Man United um, away, Everton at home and a uh, resurgent Everton at home, by the way, they're currently winning Old Trafford, um, and Leicester at home, which looks like a really hard game. Looking at those four fixtures, mate, just can you give us a little bit of a prediction of what, what you think will happen and what would be an acceptable return from those games? <laughs>
4: This Newcastle side very, very difficult because we, you know, we mentioned before um, what kind of side we are and, and I think I think I said a couple of months ago that, 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 that this is what it's going to be like in Newcastle. I think we're going to pick up points in the matches that we really just do not expect to get anything from and we're going to like blow out with absolutely zero effort against things that we, we think we've got a chance against. Are you? And yesterday, you know, we, we look at it Look at the games prior to that. Sheffield United Way, did I expect to get anything from that? No, I didn't. Man City at home, didn't expect to get a thing from that as well. Southampton at home, you'd like to think we'd get the, the three points. But we're picking up points, as I say, um, unexpectedly. So those four games, you know, we're the kind of side who we could blow it against now. We'll blow it against Paris at home and then get something against, uh, get something against Leicester and Evans. And that, 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 that's exactly what we like. like. Um, really tough games on paper, yes. Palace on paper. Should we beat them in Rome? Yes, we should because they're not a very good side. Um, you know, Hodgson sets them up as a wayside in every, in every single game they play, so they can't be dangerous. But it's the kind of game that obviously we should be looking to win. Um, Everton at Rome, as you say, they're resurgent. By that point, they would have had, what, another two fixtures? So maybe that kind of initial buzz of not having silver anymore, and Ferguson made it. Damond, never it, for slightly. Hopefully, he will go four games unbeaten before the players will be doing defeat. will get us it. a bit like Sheffield United. Um... And obviously, um, Manuel uh, again. You don't know how we're going to perform. You don't know how they're going to perform. But what the feet they've been great lately. and you know, all of a sudden that you know that that's going on goals at home against um, against Everton. So it's it's just really tough to see in it. It's a bit, it kind of a bit like um, a bit like it was on certain occasions under Pardew. You, you just you almost think out of these four games we could come out of them with one point, and we could come out with seven. I look at the games and I think Palace. that should be three points normally. Everton at home, that should be just a point. Let's say four points. Uh, Leicester at home, oh, I mean, that could go anywhere. But let's say four, four or five points uh, would actually be all right. Um, but given the inconsistencies in the side, we're capable of getting one point, we're capable of getting seven. So the answer is I haven't got a fucking clue, mate. There you go.
1: <laughs> well, one thing is mm-hmm. for sure we're going to have to check to get anything like that high haul of points. We're going to have to do something which we haven't done this season. That's win a game without, say, Maxima in the side uh which mm. which which looks uh looks a long way off at the minute and yeah I mean there's there's no point getting too down I, I certainly wasn't happy when I was driving home yesterday I'm sure Charlotte you weren't happy when you were getting home this morning from the same game no um but yeah <laughs> you know, like you we are we will play badly again this season we'll lose games again this season I suppose it's a, it's as much about the response to that and We'll we we'll have a, a full Crystal Palace preview this week uh, for, for patrons, um, amongst plenty of other shows. But, you know, there's lots of tickets available, by the way, for for Crystal Palace this weekend. So if you didn't get your free half-season ticket and you want to watch some football, uh, there's probably about 6, 7, 8, 10,000 tickets left for this one. Um, you know, it's important. Why wouldn't you want to after after <laughs> yesterday? Yeah, it's it's an important time of year for Steve Bruce's Christmas fixtures. We've got three home games in the next four. We need to play well. We need to pick up some points, and he needs to get some of those people who are not. I mean, I mean, the free ticket thing just totally skews everything because you've got up to ten thousand people who've given it up, and they're now going to be replaced um, in theory anyway. because I think all of those half season to free half season tickets went. But he really needs to 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 get this back on track because one becomes two, three becomes four in terms of games not winning. You get into January and you get into the new year and, and, and it can start to look very bleak. And as, as well, the table can look very different with so many games in such a short space of time. That yeah. seven-point lead evaporates and the pressure's on. And then you do have players coming back from injury that like you need, but they're coming into a team that's desperate. And hopefully none of this will happen. Hopefully we'll we'll beat Crystal Palace. We can still play rubbish again, it's fine. But we'll, we'll prove it and be rubbish and win. Um, yeah. Next Saturday, and then you know we head to Manchester United, who are not unbeatable this season, uh, as we proved when we played them at our place. Um, so all to play for. I think that's that's everything for today. Though I really appreciate you three joining me, and thanks to everybody for listening uh, to the True Faith podcast. We will be back, I think, next Sunday. I'm going to try and get it done next Sunday um, for the debrief of the Crystal Palace game. Like I said earlier, you can catch a lot more from us four and the other True Faith podcast is on our Patreon page where a few hundred people pay about seven quid a month for five to seven shows per week on Newcastle United uh you know lots going on this week lots to talk about so join us there and thanks for listening be back speaking you very soon cheers
5: the headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better